who got the franchise tag, and how does that impact their dynasty value. We're talking all that and more on today's episode of Locked On Dynasty. You are Locked On Dynasty Football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Matt Williamson and Ryan McDowell. Thanks for making Locked On Dynasty your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Welcome to the Locked On Dynasty Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan McDowell. You can follow me on Twitter at RyanMC23. Joining me, as always, is Matt Williamson. Find Matt on Twitter at WilliamsonNFL. Matt, how are you today? I'm great, man. How are you? Lots of action around the league. I'm yeah. good. I'm, I'm not quite as good as uh, as Daniel Jones, but I'm doing okay right. here. Uh, we do have some some news to talk about, some real news. Uh, it feels like it's it's been dry in the NFL for a few weeks now, but uh, it is it is time to change that because yeah, it's the franchise tags are in. Uh, we got a couple couple of new deals done. Let's talk about those very quickly, Matt. Uh, let's start. Uh, let's start with Dallas. Tony Pollard gets okay. the tag in Dallas. I, I guess ultimately that's no surprise. Uh, although of course they still have Ezekiel Elliott. Rumors that. Uh, Elliot could be cut. Uh, I mean, the contract is really the issue there. Um, do you see kind of status quo when it comes to Pollard in Dallas next season? I think this is a good thing for his stock. I mean, yeah. if we truly look at running backs in a dynasty format, almost like redraft, I bet Pollard's a pretty high redraft pick this year. I mean, yep. Elliot's either going to be out of the equation or greatly diminished. And it's a good offense. They put up points every year. I do think the rumors are true that they could add a Hopkins or some kind of weapon. It's a pretty good line. I think Dak's a vastly underrated quarterback. And, you know, why not give Pollard a ton of touches and send him on his way after the year? And I think you also avoid the uh, the Bijan problem, too, by this, you know? Mm, that's a good point. Uh, yeah. Look, uh, I, I agree with you. It certainly doesn't hurt Pollard's value. Uh, we'll see what happens with Zeke, but... Honestly, at this point, it probably doesn't matter too much. Yeah, you're right. Uh, Las Vegas gave the tag to Josh Jacobs. That was actually a few days ago. So a little little bit of old news here, but they made it official um, at the deadline. Again, I think this is probably probably good news for Josh Jacobs. Honestly, if any of these running backs can avoid hitting the open market, I know that, that used to be what yeah. they really wanted. But at this point, I think they're better off. Uh, sticking with their teams and in most situations this is another one of those of course we'll we'll see what the Raiders do at quarterback that's kind of the ultimate determining factor here without question I mean we don't exactly know what type of offense who's going to be behind center but the thing that made me crazy about Jacobs under Gruden was they never threw him the football so the fact that he's back with McDaniels pretty much ensures he's going to be targeted a fair amount. And that was a great deal of his value last year. So fine. I mean, is he a first round redraft pick? Probably. Oh, maybe. I mean, a really good year. Right. Yeah. I've been doing some of these early uh, underdog drafts, of course, best ball Mm. and uh, redraft. And we're not seeing too many running backs in the first round at all. But uh, I, I do think Jacobs would be a, a top five running back pick. I think that's fair in, uh, in those redraft leagues. Let's move on to kind of the main news uh, of the past 24 hours or so, because this is, this is what went down to the deadline and we'll start with the giants. We kind of knew the situation here. They wanted to keep both Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley. 
they only had one tag. So to, to keep them both, somebody needed to get a deal done. And that happened. Daniel Jones gets a new contract, four years, $160 million uh, with $82 million guaranteed. So he got the big payday. Uh, we heard that 45 number tossed around. I think that was that was probably viewed as the ceiling. He does get the $40 million per year average. Um, I don't know. If I'm a Giants fan, I'm not super excited about this one. But no. they were they were kind of <laughs> handcuffed, right? I mean they they're a playoff team. They want to they they want to be a playoff contender again next year. It was going to be tough to start from scratch uh, at the quarterback position. Yeah, I mean, first off, kind of like it was with Pollard and Jacobs, franchising a running back is very feasible. As is a tight end, Evan Ingram right. was another one. You know, like it, it, the number is very easy. It's a one year deal. You can revisit it. So that's a very team friendly move. So that works out better for them. Giving Daniel Jones this money to me might be one of the biggest regrets that the Giants have. But that's a Peacock and Williamson conversation. We don't really care what kind of money he gets. He's just going to be the Giants starting quarterback and they run him. And I think they'll draft a receiver or sign a receiver. So he was quite the fantasy asset last year in New York. And I think those around him will be better. I mean, am I the biggest Daniel Jones supporter out there? Obviously not by what I just said. But the poor guy probably threw to the worst wide receivers in the league. Yeah, yeah, very fair. Uh, and Saquon, uh, like like uh, we said about Pollard, about Jacobs, I think sticking with the Giants, sticking with Coach Dable, and that improving offense and improving offensive line is a good thing. Matt, let's move over and talk about the Baltimore Ravens and Lamar Jackson. He does get the tag. They don't get the deal worked out. Uh, but they gave him the, I believe it's called the non-exclusive tag, which means he can mm-hmm. go out and basically seek a deal. And and then the uh, the Ravens would have the option to match or take uh, two first-round picks uh, in, in exchange for Lamar in that case. And as soon as that news comes out, there's a flood of reports. The Falcons are not interested. The Panthers are not interested. The Commanders are not interested. The Raiders are not interested. What is going on here, Matt? I don't know that I believe any of that. I mean, I understand that he's a hard guy to get a contract done with for several reasons. First off, his mom is his agent. Secondly, maybe most importantly, the Deshaun Watson contract is a terrible one, and he should ask for the same thing because he's got a better resume. But also, what's he going to be worth three, four years down the road if he's not as mobile as he is now? And he's had a hard time staying healthy late in years anyway. So he's a tough one. But I I was shocked that it was not the exclusive tag because to me, two firsts, I I mean, if I were the Giants, I'd give you two firsts instead of the, the Jones deal. You know what I mean? Or what about the Colts? What about all those teams you mentioned? There's probably others that make perfect sense to me. I mean, that he's a difference maker. Two firsts is a drop in the bucket. And, of course, you have to pay him on top of that. And, yeah, what I think the Ravens are doing here is that means they can – they let someone else negotiate the deal. We tried to negotiate with you. Frankly, it didn't work. So if someone else decides to negotiate with you, maybe they can come to a different ground. Maybe you're just somebody that's impossible to negotiate with for all the reasons I mentioned, and no one's going to get a deal done because you just think that you're going to get more than you should, which he has every right to. Mm-hmm. Um, but two first isn't enough for Lamar Jackson. 
Yeah, totally agree. There were very quickly a couple of theories uh, floated around. What you are mm-hmm. kind of hinting at there is one of them. The Ravens uh, basically gambling that um, another team is uh, Lamar is going to uh, agree to a deal with another team mm-hmm. that is less than that two hundred fifty million guaranteed that he wanted, and, and then they just swoop in and and match that deal, whatever that looks like. That's that was one theory. The other theory, which maybe is kind of tied in with all of this, is that there's some type of collusion. You know, the the c word is getting thrown around here, Matt, mm. between NFL team owners. That we're not going down this road of uh, of Deshaun Watson. We're not fully guaranteeing right, right. deals, even for the best quarterbacks in the league. And uh, I don't know. There that, could be some of that. That it, there could be some of that. That's obviously very messy. That's a big accusation that is being thrown around, and we're certainly not the only ones saying it. Uh, but it, it would make sense that the owners would not want to start that trend of guaranteeing. Uh, hundreds of millions of dollars, especially when players like Lamar have, have uh, not been staying on the field for full season. So right. this is already, it's kind of been on the fringe of getting ugly between Lamar and Baltimore. And uh, it, it seems like we've still got a ways to go with that. As far as dynasty, I don't know. Honestly, I don't know if it matters much. I think Lamar's going to put up Lamar type numbers with Baltimore mm-hmm. with, Atlanta with Carolina with you know any any team that uh it, where he ends up I, I think it's 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 more of just the soap opera we're watching now yeah and if he stays in Baltimore though I do think they will actually throw to wide receivers more get a little more traditional under Todd Monken who I think is a good coordinator mm-hmm. I think the offense will look different um, in general, no matter if he ends somewhere else, so the offense will look a little different. So I think his usage will be different next year. I keep saying the word different, but I mean, yeah, so that's fair. I, I think that's true. Um, real quick on the collusion thing. What I will say is everyone knows, I mean, the most powerful people in the NFL are the 32 owners. I mean, it's yeah. their league, whether we like it or not, whatever. But 31 owners were very, very upset with the Browns when they made that that contract. Sure, sure. Under, understandably so. Mm-hmm. Matt, when we come back, we're going to shift the conversation to one of the rookie running backs. We're talking Devon A-Chain today, and I'm excited to do that. The midway point of the NBA season is here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because new customers get a new no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app, safe, secure, super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores to threes drained. Um, You know, there's also every other sport you can imagine. Uh, There's so many exclusive bets out there, player props, uh, player points, rebounds, assists, everything you could dream up. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. So don't miss a chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That is FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of the NBA. Matt, as our rookie profile series continues, we're moving back to the running back position. Devon A. Chain from Texas A&M. 
we finally get the official measurements. This was something that uh, that many were interested in because he's clearly a small back, an explosive back. He comes in at five foot eight, one hundred eighty-eight pounds at the NFL Combine last week. Uh, he is twenty-one years old, a four-star recruit uh, who landed at Texas A&M and had a very solid career there. Matt, we'll get into the production, into some strengths, strengths and weaknesses of a chain, but. Uh, what are your overall impressions on this player as he is set to enter the league? I think he's very impressive. I mean, in that he has some, at least this past year with Spiller gone at A&M, was basically the workhorse, you know, for a big-time program in a big-time conference at his size. His speed is remarkable. I mean, he is world-class sprinter-type speed on the field, and when he gets a crevice, nobody is catching him. All that being said, who that's 5'8 and under 190 pounds has been a major fantasy asset for us? I I mean, I think the trend of backs with size get touches is not close to going away. So I think he's a better football player than he is dynasty player. Mm, That's interesting. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the concern. He's he's clearly Mm -hmm. not... Uh, he's not going to be an every down back. He's, he's not going to be a lead back. I mean, we're not, we're not breaking any news with that one, but I do think we have seen these smaller backs, uh, over the years in, in recent years play larger and larger roles in, in their respective offenses. So, you know, that, that makes me confident that, that Mm -hmm. a chain can be one of those guys that he can, um, have an, have a, a fantasy impact as well. But yeah, I mean, th- those are concerns. Maybe, maybe it's yeah. inconsistent. Maybe it's, I don't know. I'm trying to, you know, Kenny Gainwell that, uh, right, right. Tw- I think 20 point, like that. 20 point fantasy game one week and, and barely sees the field the next, um, maybe more feel like his ability than Gainwell, but not yeah, as I feel much like you're right. I feel like game. his upside's probably more than that, uh, or, or is more than that, but there's, mm-hmm. There's reasons for concern. You mentioned the production. Uh, Freshman season comes in, 43 carries, 364 yards, and five touchdowns. Has always been able to make that big play, as you talked about, and and, uh, scored scored, um, more touchdowns uh, than you might expect, given the touches that he had. Uh, Also had five catches for 97 yards and another score as a freshman. Then as a sophomore, that was... 2021 uh we really see the production ramp up 130 carries 910 yards nine scores 24 catches 261 and another touchdown and then this past season as you said spiller is gone uh not quite gets the backfield to himself but certainly was leaned on more in a traditional running back role 196 carries over 1100 yards eight touchdowns 36 196 and three as a receiver, I did get to sit in a little bit on his interview at the combine. Uh, he, he was a confident guy. He, uh, he talked about, um, having the best hands of any running back in the, in the class. He thought he was the best receiver in the class. I, I would not necessarily disagree with him there. Um, he, you know, really people were, some of the, the media folks were really pushing him to make a prediction on his 40. If he would break the record, he, he didn't go that far and he did not break the record either, but he did run a four, three, two, which was 
the fastest in the class. Uh, also had a uh, a very solid, um, or I'm sorry, a, a disappointing vertical jump. Kind of sat out the rest of the uh, drills, which is no real surprise. Once once he showed mm-hmm. off that, um, once he showed off Wheels, that speed, yeah. yeah, that's that's what everybody really cared about. My number one takeaway on a chain from that interview was he said he was going to be working out with the wide receivers, or, or I'm sorry, he was going to be doing the wide receiver drills as well as the normal running back drills. And, you know, we think back, I remember that being a big deal when Christian McCaffrey did that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I don't, I don't know if a chain's going to, going to turn out to be the next Christian McCaffrey, but it has to give you confidence in, uh, in a time where we're valuing pass catching running backs so highly that that's a good sign. It is. It is. And a couple, two nuggets I just want to throw out there when looking at his production here is, He's consistently finding the end zone. And I do think some guys have knacks for that. What's he have there? 27 that looks like career touchdowns over three years, both running and receiving. And that's great. And I do think that's a positive. But I also think, you know, he's not going to be the short yardage back at the next level, no matter what. And it is harder to score from distance at the next level. He still might be the fastest guy in the field. He still may break 60, 40, 70 yarders. But you know that that's a little bit harder to rely on. Um and I'm not knocking him as a receiver, but over these past two years when he's been used a lot more, he has 60 catches for only about 450 yards, though. You know, like, mm. I, I, I don't see a lot of, I'd like to see more yardage there from a small, unbelievably fast back on 60 catches. Yeah, that's a, that's a very good point. A good uh, a good note. And yeah, maybe, maybe something to be concerned about. Why isn't he getting more yards after the catch? Uh, compared to what he did or based on what he did in college, Matt, any other strengths that stand out? I mean, the speed is obvious. He's got any way you want to judge a speed. He's got it. That, that, uh, immediate burst, uh, as soon as he touches the ball, he's got the long speed does have solid hands as a pass catch pass catcher, um, offers some upside as a, as a kick returner as well. Uh, obviously teams value that and that, that helps, uh, players like Chain get on the field sooner. Uh, anything else? Uh, one thing I wouldn't would throw out there though is for his size. I'm not comparing him to Derrick Henry. He doesn't go down easy. You know, I mean, he can yeah. pinball a little bit. I mean, he can take a shot from a D lineman, you know, sideways in the hip or thigh, and and handle it pretty well, especially for a, a smaller person. So he's not just a He's not Dre Archer. You know, he's not this or Dexter yeah. McCluster. You know, I mean, these little skinny dudes that get pushed around out there. He does hold his own physically. Oh man, you're pulling you're pulling out some names now. That is <laughs> what's a stealer. Yeah. <laughs> those uh <laughs> I think I think those are two names I probably would have never thought of again. <laughs> uh clear some some clear weaknesses here, and, and we've really kind of mentioned them already. The size mm-hmm. is a concern. He's obviously not a three down back, not a lead back, as you can uh, can imagine. Doesn't offer much uh when it comes to blocking or pass protection. Um really like to hit everything outside from what I saw, you know, tried mm-hmm. to make that uh big play. And, and again, no surprise given his side size that he's, he's not a power runner. He's not running between mm-hmm. the tackles very often. Uh, but it, it sometimes can become a detriment to try to push things uh outside, you know, with, with every play. Level, yeah. Right, right. 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 So, 
go, go ahead. I don't know if you're done there. No, no, go ahead. What, what else on? So on in line with that is poor and pass protection worries me because I, he may be the toughest, most technically sound guy out there. He's always going to be poor in pass protection. I mean, yeah. he just doesn't right. have the length. He doesn't have the mass. You know, an edge rusher comes off the edge with 35-inch arms. He's going to be, you know, T-Rexing him, trying to get his hands on guys. So, therefore, it becomes a tell. I mean, if he's in the game on third and eight, mm. you pretty much know he's not protecting. The D coordinator knows they're not protecting. So you show blitz and either make him protect or make the quarterback get it out hot. Like that worries me because it would be fine if he truly was a Christian McCaffrey like route runner where he was a true wide receiver receiver, you know, in terms of not just catching the ball. He's very soft hands. But what I need to study is his routes because those numbers I referenced about 60 catches for 450 yards or so implies to me that he's not a very developed route runner, that he's catching screens, he's catching bubbles, just get it in his hands. Well, if you're not good enough in protection, you better be a great route runner that can run wide receiver routes. Mm, That's a very good point. Matt, when we come back, we'll talk about A-Chain's dynasty value and potential landing spots in the NFL. Thanks for making Locked On Dynasty your first listen every day. Now make your second listen Locked On NFL Draft. Damian Parson and Keith Sanchez provide in-depth coverage of the biggest NFL draft prospects with deep dives into the sleepers and hidden gems that can change your favorite NFL franchise. Find Locked On NFL Draft wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Matt, we don't have a we don't have a great idea necessarily of where a chain will land in the NFL draft. He, he's certainly not going to be a first rounder. Uh, mm-hmm. I do think he'll be a day two pick, though. I think we'll see him selected uh, in the late second, more likely in the third round. Agreed. Um, yeah. And and given the type of running back he is, where he is, uh, he's going to pair with another back. What are some landing spots that you think might be beneficial for a chain and might help his his dynasty value? So we're thinking a team that already has maybe that lead back. Uh, I'm I'm seeing uh, I'm seeing Cleveland here. Uh, they've got a, a mid second, a late third. Of course, they have Nick Chubb, who was actually saw yeah. some trade rumors in, involving Nick Chubb. I don't I don't know if I yeah. believe that. Um, I've heard certain- a small, small dynasty note. I've heard a couple nuggets that they really love Ford that mm. I, I would pick him up now if you can. I mean, I know a lot of leagues are locked, but I, I think he's got a chance to be a, a contributor for the Browns. But anyway, sorry. No, that's no, that's that's a uh, that's a great nugget. Uh, of course, Kareem Hunt is a free agent. Dearness Johnson, I believe, is also a free agent. So I think so. Uh, yeah. They need a uh, they need an RB2 option and. Uh, if it's not A-Chain in the second or third round, it certainly could be Jerome Ford, who they drafted uh, mm-hmm. last year out of Cincinnati. Um, any any teams stand out here that would pair well uh, or would work well with A-Chain? I mean, I'm kind of spitballing off the top of my head, but I think Arizona could use him. He couldn't be any more different than Connor. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think Montgomery returns to the Bears, and I think Herbert's probably the starter there, but a big play guy in the Tariq Cohen mold, you know, it kind of makes a little bit of sense. 
he's not quite Raheem Mostert, but do you think the Niners, and where I'm really going with this is Miami, would love him because they love those stick your foot in the ground, run a thousand miles an hour. You know, I mean, might they look at him as a zone runner that just is explosive as can be? I don't think the Miami Dolphins have any running backs under contract for it's a the mess, right? Twenty twenty three season currently, I, I think that's the case. So, um, yeah, Miami, Chicago, mm-hmm. uh, the teams I said that Arizona, yeah, yeah, Arizona, the, the teams that have some obvious needs at running back certainly make sense. Uh, what about Indianapolis? Obviously, they have JT. Yeah. They trade Naheem Hines. Um, I was just about to say, I'd love him in a dome. Yeah. You know, I I was thinking Minnesota. I was thinking New Orleans, but I hadn't thought of Indianapolis. Sure. Absolutely. I mean, Philadelphia used a smaller back. Right. Yeah. Indianapolis has a pick in the mid third round, 80 overall. I think that's probably the range where we see uh, a chain drafted. Uh, Baltimore Mm -hmm. has a pick in that range. They're seemingly always interested in running backs, although I don't know they that they want one who's going to catch the ball. Minnesota, you mentioned, has a pick in that range. Um, Dallas, possibly. I, I, he may possibly. Be, maybe a little too close to Tony Pollard. Uh, I think Pollard's mm-hmm. obviously a better ball carrier, uh, but uh, Pollard can can really do it all. They may not see that as a need. Um, yeah, there, there's going to be some landing spots there yeah, that, yeah. that really work well. Washington, ooh, 98 overall. Hmm. Robinson. Maybe. Robinson. Yeah, I don't think Gibson nature. will be back a year from now. You know, what I mean, I don't yeah. think Gibson's in the long-term plans. That's not bad. Uh, real quick, back to Indy. I mean, if you draft a quarterback high, I wouldn't mind having a guy like this come in with my rookie quarterback. I can at least dump him the ball. I can get easy completions. Maybe create a big play or two. Um, so that would make a little bit of sense to me as well. Maybe Houston with Pierce. Yeah, that would be another one that would be mm-hmm. a good pairing. Uh, let's finish up here with A-Chain's current dynasty value. We talked about this yesterday as we discussed uh, Anthony Richardson. Uh, our ADP data is uh, not – that is pre-combined, so not necessarily okay. 100% up to date. Uh, we are in the process of collecting some new ADP now, so we'll have that data for you soon. Pre-combine – Rookie ADP, uh, A-Chain was 12 overall, so that, that late first rounder, that made, and he was the RB5. In our startup ADP, he was 112 overall and the RB37. Our rankings at DLF have been updated post-combine, of course, and there he's moved up. He's the eighth overall player, uh, and that is in single quarterback leagues, by the way, eighth mm-hmm. overall player and the RB4. So, um, certainly does suggest he's gained some value since the combine. I think he's um, where entering the combine, he was RB4, RB5, somewhere in that maybe four to four to seven range. I think it's a conversation for that RB3 spot now between A-Chain and Zach Charbonnet, another player that uh, we'll be talking about soon. So the top two rookie running back spots are, are basically locked up. RB3, I think, is up for gra- uh, up for grabs. Charbonnet's probably the favorite, but I think H.A. narrowed the gap uh, with his performance at the Combine. I'm, I'm not fighting you. I'm fighting the rankings on this. Uh, I don't see him in that light at all. I, I mean, I'd rather have... 
I'd rather have Roshan Johnson. I'd rather have Tank Bigsby. I'd much rather have Charbonnet. I mean, uh, I don't think Chase Brown, but maybe Keaton Mitchell. I mean, I want guys with 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 more. I want two hundred ten pound guys. You know yeah. what I mean? Uh, yeah. Just, history shows that's who gets the football. I I, I don't see this as a. It, it makes little sense to me why he would be RB four. A little a little too gimmicky for you. Yes, I think yeah. so. I mean, I think at most he gets ten touches a game. At most. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. That'll do it for today's show. Please make sure you download and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcast, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to the Locked On Dynasty channel on YouTube. Remember to follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Dynasty. Follow Matt at Williamson NFL, and I'm Ryan MC23. We'll be back next time with more Locked On Dynasty.